The presenting sponsor for On Education is Schoology. Schoology is not only the best learning management system, it's also a community of lifelong learners. Join On Education at the Schoology Next Conference July 16th through 18th in San Diego, California. This is a chance to immerse yourself in hands-on workshops, advanced product training sessions, and best practice presentations. If you want to learn more about Schoology and how they can help you advance what's possible, visit Schoology.com. Friends, we have an amazing pod for you today. They don't have anything. Trust us. Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an amazing pod for you today. We're going to talk about edtech companies tracking students' feelings, the future of the school bus, the future also of Flipgrid and Microsoft, and we will chat about Teacher Gaming's new City Skylines EDU. This podcast is about the future. It's all about future. <laughs> we are forward-looking here. The future is here. We are here. We are here. Yes, we are. In Chicago. Yes, and we're face-to-face. I guess this is the, real, the first real full episode I guess. Yes. Of the podcast where we're actually here sitting across from each other. It's exciting. Yes, it is. It's been a lot of work <laughs> to get to this point. Yes. But we're excited to be here, and this is a blast. Chicago is beautiful. I love Chicago. I've been here a lot lately, um, and uh, it's been a nice day. Haven't been outside much, but you know you can see it from outside. <laughs> you can see it through the windows, and you look. Oh, that looks nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in general it's been it's been super nice and uh you know uh yeah we're here holy moly it's been been uh, been a fun ride so far i think yes no i mean it it's been awesome and um uh, what's been crazy in my life is that i have now finally left you're gone the, the town of wabasha which is where i've lived for the past 13 years we've yeah. actually uh, packed up our stuff into one of these uh uh, storage containers where you put all your stuff in there and then you hope that you have another house which I don't have one yet <laughs> you're homeless and, and then you just kind of uh, yeah you're we're just in the home buying process and it's crazy I wanted to make sure though that I said goodbye to there's a ton of really really good friends that we made uh, along the way and and, mm-hmm. and really at the end when you leave a place you really get to Uh, see your impact i mean you get to feel the impact that you've actually made uh, not only myself but my wife and of course uh, my kids too and in the people that have both affected us you know personally and then uh how we've affected them and and we want to make sure that everybody knows too back at wabasha that we'll be back for uh, all kinds of things we're going to make sure that we still keep our connections there we're only really three hours away so it's not like we're moving across the country right. so we want to make sure that we keep those connections uh, and good luck to all of all of you guys back in Wabasha um, we really love you guys um, but yeah that was I want to make sure I, I, I included that in there because I know some of my former colleagues and also my students do listen to the podcast how long did you live there 13 years well, that's that's a long time for anybody yes yes so I started when I was, I probably still had a little bit of hair. It was right around when I was 30. <laughs> Actually, I was 29, and then now I'm 42. So well, and none of your yes. kids, your kids were all born there then. Yeah. Yep. My kids have only known Wabasha as their home, so this is going to be a new experience for them and right. new, new schools, mm-hmm. uh, but we're excited about the prospects of it. Cool. Cool. Hey, so you came across a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of interesting stuff here. Yes. Uh, first one. Yeah. So the first one is an article out of Ed Week. And it is um, it's an article about 
ed tech companies and them tracking basically students' feelings. Now, by that, uh, we actually were at the Badge Summit and someone mentioned uh, a term that's actually mentioned inside of this article, which basically what it is is the collection of uh, the behaviors of how students interact with software and then tracking those behaviors to be able to go ahead and make better software for learning, right? So, of course, it's an awesome, powerful thing, but it's also really powerfully creepy because... I was almost going to yes. say, isn't this illegal? Yes, but it's not illegal. <laughs> what it's tracking basically is, is how often students will click on things, interact with things, how long they will stay on something. Uh, and and it's, it's tracking all of this data. Because it's web-based, right? so they're making a heat map yes. of, of like where people's cursors go yes. and tracking the clicks, which you can pretty easily like there's scripts that that do that for for websites so yes. i guess i mean it's, i guess it's not illegal no it's not but it's interesting i mean because there's two sides to it one of it is that that the sites become much smarter so you're talking about artificial intelligence basically able to intuitively tell what more than likely you want next so kind right. of like when we're texting yeah. and then that next word pops up, it's just basically, you know, you know, that's all programmed in there. But this is doing the exact same thing for learning types of software. So it's tracking all that data. And then the opposite side where they say, I don't know if I want you tracking every single thing no. about what I actually do. So this, it's, it, But I mean, of course, there's value. There's value, but then we're giving up some of our privacy like we always do, I guess, in most things, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. And so the next thing that I had on my list about weird things uh, was the future of the school bus. Did you read this one? Uh, <laughs> no. No, well, basically what it was saying was um, that this article, uh, which was out of U.S. News and World Report, that what they're thinking is is basically that... Uh, buses are not really that economical, especially um, for um, a lot of times within cities, let's say. Okay. Um, and so what, they, uh, what the article is proposing is that basically that ride sharing will replace traditional school buses. So kind of like the way that Uber and Lyft works, that there will be some sort of that kind of organized um, Abilities to be able to give rides to students to their school, but right? then you have like twenty million cars in the parking lot. Like no, but, I, but they would just drop them off. Yeah, it's but, not like they would actually still be okay. there. I, okay. I actually, I actually caught it when I was reading it. I was like, okay, how can this actually work? But it really explained it really well. That's it's in California and Colorado that they're thinking about instead of having these you know, uh, buses that they purchase and maintain and whatever might be, that maybe we should have cars and SUVs and vans. Uh, you know what I mean? But do you have a big, like, like do you have lots of buses at your school? Because we, yes. we okay, so yes. we don't. Yes. Almost all of our kids are driven to school. Yeah. Our parking lot the, is a yeah. gong show as it is. Yeah, no, no. And this would turn all <laughs> bus schools parking lots also into gong shows no but I'm, what, what we have especially <laughs> in rural disaster. like in rural minnesota yeah. what we have is uh, uh for example the wabashaw kellogg the, the place i was at for 13 years we actually hired a third party that has a bunch of buses that they maintain 
that, that we basically have a, a, a leasing agreement with them. Yeah. And that agreement, that transportation of those students, because it's such a large district, is super expensive. Of course it is. But it's super important, you know, to be able to get the kids to school, obviously. Things cost money, man. But <laughs> this is saying, why are we using these super large one kind of stop shots where you have to collect all the students and then bring them to all these stops? Isn't it more economical? And they've actually done the the analysis that it is eco- more economical to have vans instead of these large buses or actual mm. cars for specific students that maybe live further and further away. So it's a really interesting look at it. And then the way that they're able to go ahead and make it all happen is the same technology that we would have for like Uber or Lyft or any of those kinds of things. So it's interesting. Kids uh, should just walk more. <laughs> we can't walk like 13 miles to school. When I was your yes, age. I know you're going to say. I walked no, 30 you, miles barefoot we uphill all, both ways yes. <laughs> in say. 10 feet of snow. So don't <laughs> cry to me about buses. Yes, and we all know that that's not true. All right, so then the last thing was actually something that we've been talking about. Uh, and and the, the biggest takeaway from this one is basically it says schools use eSports yes. as a learning platform. Cool. Uh, the biggest takeaway, though, from this is a, is a quote there where it says, that esports isn't the next big, big thing, you know, the next big thing. It's actually happening right now. And it's happening in uh, high schools, uh, in junior highs, and it's even happening at the collegiate level. And we know that Steve Isaacs is a big proponent of that. They have the esports EDU chats. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's just going to grow bigger and bigger, Mike. I think that people are starting to see the value that that these teams actually, you know, the skills that they're developing are very similar to the team skills that they're developing in athletics also, you know, or whatever it is that they're actually participating in. So we're going to make sure we link that article too, as far as the esports as a learning platform. Well, so I just noticed who wrote it. Yes, who did write it. So this is Constance Stein, I'm going to screw up her last name, Stein Cooler. Okay. But that's Kurt Squire's wife. Is it? And these two are you know wicked smart yeah yeah so she's she's brilliant yes and so listen if if constance is behind esports then listen the world better get ready because it's because it's happening because these two um have collectively predicted like wave after wave of game-based learning stuff for the last 15 or 20 years and for you guys that don't know esports basically all it is is organized uh, like it says right here, game competition, game competitions, and it's a variety of different games. Yeah. So it's not just all like some people believe, you know, it might be like a first person shooter or something like that. There's a variety of different types of skill games, all kinds of different things. We've talked about some of them as far as in past shows, but just so people can have an idea about what these esports are. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, read this article because, um, if anyone would know about, um, how this is going to work from a actual like hardcore weedsy type perspective uh constance is going to know what's up um so that's pretty pretty interesting stuff uh when we come back we're going to talk about something else that's pretty interesting uh the the future of uh flipgrid teachers if you're interested in game-based learning you simply have to check out teacher gaming mike we are giving away a one-year subscription to teacher gaming Teacher Gaming has so many games, I I can't even keep track of it all. 30 games, uh, one year uh, subscription uh, is just enough time to get into all of them. Yes, so to enter, all you need to do is simply tweet a picture 
a little pic of your favorite game. It could be a desktop type of game. It could be something you actually play like far as a video game or something handheld. World of Warcraft. Yeah, any of those, yes. And you need to just send it to at teacher gaming and tag on at on education pod. And that's it. Even if you aren't the winner though, right, Mike? Even if you aren't the winner, you're yes. still a winner to us. Yeah, you're still a winner and you can still get a 30-day free trial and test it out for yourselves by simply going to teachergaming.com. Everyone wins. All right, friends, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Big news, huge news um, this week. Flipgrid, your uh, favorite video sharing slash community slash whatever website slash app uh, was bought by Microsoft. Like, holy crap. So, I mean, (laughs) big, huge news. It was pretty amazing. Everyone, you know, goes, what? Yes. So, uh, yeah. What do you think? Well, (laughs) first of all, it wasn't just the purchase of it, but the way that they announced it is really what's insane about it because a lot of us, I mean, if you were going to name off the top apps that, that teachers currently use, I think that in the top five Maybe even sometimes in the top three, people would name off Flipgrid. 100%. Yes. Except for me. Yes, except for For some reason. Yes. We're going to talk about that in a second. But still, um, and it's used in a variety of different content areas. I actually purchased in in previous years for my Spanish classes uh, the one-year license because I was like – How much was it? It was – I think it was around – Fifty-five or sixty dollars. So it wasn't it wasn't super expensive, and and I and and there was a lot of features that were available. Like for example, a student could respond to a student with mm-hmm. a paid one. Mm-hmm. And you could create as many grids as you want to, mm-hmm. and the other one was limited. So the biggest news, though, when Microsoft purchased this, is they announced that now Flipgrid is free. Dun, 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 dun. Free. I mean, so the teacher version, the one that used yeah. to be the paid version that I paid whatever 50 bucks for or 60 bucks for it's now free and i think they refunded people prorated they're doing that right now yes they're going to have a refund process to anybody that already had upgraded it isn't that something it, it's crazy and it kind of like you know it, it messed with my mind a well, little you, bit you get why they're doing it though the why same are they re- doing it? so the same reason <laughs> the same reason that apple gives away their stuff for free like upgrades to garageband new garageband is free pages is free keynote is free okay they're trying to lock people into microsoft stuff okay and they've actually almost explicitly said that so i've read some of the 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 content but one of the things they say is that we want people to love microsoft products and um by allowing people to use flipgrid for free um, you then tend to want to maybe keep using other Microsoft products as well. Yes. There's an ecosystem play here, and it's great. I, I, listen, not complaining at all. This is amazing. I'm complaining. <laughs> Are you really? I mean, there's a quote here, though. It says, we're diligently, as the, the corporate vice president for micro, Microsoft says, we're diligently committed to making sure their platform, Flipgrid, yeah. products continue to work across the Microsoft, Google, and partner ecosystems to benefit students and teachers everywhere. So my thing is, will they continue to, you know, con- you know, uh, work on those other platforms, you know, in the it, for the future? Yeah, right you now hope they so, right? right now they work, 
and they work in a multitude. That was so cool about Flipgrid, man. You could well because it was web based, right? So yeah, you could you use could, it on a Chromebook. You yeah, could use it, it, it was on also an, an app. You could you use could it on use anything. anything. Yeah, it's, you can embed it into anything. So we used to embed it right into Schoology or whatever it was that we were doing, or you know, if you have Google Classroom, you could embed it right into the system that you wanted, and, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. and it didn't have any of those massive conflicts that other things have the barriers yes it it eliminated a bunch of those barriers Um, and it's such an awesome tool and I'm happy that teachers don't have to pay don't get me wrong so you're not angry you're just nervous I'm very nervous because I'm like wondering what's the what's the true <laughs> what's the true play behind Well this? listen, I mean Microsoft is Microsoft and Microsoft is gonna do Microsoft things. <laughs> Just like Apple is Apple and they do Apple things and Google <laughs> is the, the, the I mean they're the three and they do they do their things and we know what they're doing. I mean we're not dumb. Okay. There's a play here, but I'm not sure it's malicious and and listen, if they said you know, two or three years from now, that Flipgrid is going to be a Windows 10, Windows 11, whatever it is, Windows only application. Yeah, people would Flipgrid would all of a sudden no longer be that popular at all. I think so too. There would be a revolt. I agree. People would take to the streets. Yeah, I mean, here's just an example. If you have to log in with a Microsoft 365 100%. account. There are, there are districts that don't even Done. have that, right? Done. It would lock Done. everyone out. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. So you guys well, have we, we saw what Microsoft. happened. Don't do that. Right, no. Yes. Please. Please. I mean, we saw what happened even when just like Padlet says we need to charge people money. There was yes. like a full scale like... <laughs> Revolt? Yeah. Including us. Pitchforks. And, <laughs> right? Taken to the streets. So, I mean, but if Flipgrid, like there are people walking around here wearing Flipgrid t-shirts. They love it. They would be no longer wearing Flipgrid t-shirts. I agree. And yeah. I tell you, some of the people who are wearing Flipgrid t-shirts yeah. would be losing their freaking minds yes. if Flipgrid did this. And yeah. you would hear about them because there's some pretty vocal people wearing Flipgrid t-shirts. Yes. Yes. So let's, you know, have some perspective here. Don't make us nervous, Microsoft. Do the right thing. <laughs> Please. Act, literally be be cool about this because... Uh, uh, yeah, I think that, and I have faith. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling okay about this. I'm not super Good. nervous. I don't know if there's a strong track record to suggest that they would screw this up. I hope not. Do you disagree? <laughs> no, I just uh, no. I don't want to bring anything else up. So right. Like said, well, no, because I know you're thinking. You're talking. You're talking about Minecraft. Yes, I'm talking about Minecraft, <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. So, so I just don't like the. Okay, so for example, to be able to play. Let's now, do this. Now I'm going through this. So I just don't like that a Minecraft Education Edition. We have to log in with Office 365 accounts. I I just do you wish, have to. Yes, you have to create them and you have to log in with them. And, okay. and that is a barrier, like you just explained. Yes. Now, yeah, some yeah, people sure may go, well, they're free and blah, blah, blah. Well, some of us are Google schools and some of us don't have, you know, 365 accounts. And not Can only you create a 365 account with free. a Gmail address? Yes, sure I think you can. you can. Yes, you can. Yes. Okay. But, but the way that it works, I mean, just the, it's, it's the what you just talked about. They want you... To get into their ecosystem, they mm. want you to go ahead and purchase. But their they're not products. locking people out. They're not locking people out that much. It's not in a, a way a, that's it, actually real. I yes, mean, they're I gotcha. they're just they're just saying you need to use this to create an account. It's like you know, if you want to play 
a game on Steam, you gotta have a Steam account. I mean, yeah, it, it is what it is. I, I, I guess. Yeah, that's what I said. I don't want to bring it up, but <laughs> now I that I did, I'll just go ahead and <laughs> say, uh, call it good. It's... Flipgrid, you are so awesome, and I hope that yes. Microsoft does uh, uh, well by you. Yeah, yeah. Um, le- actually, so when this news came up, I had never, I've never used Flipgrid before. Okay. I'll tell you, I barely even heard of Flipgrid. I don't know why. I'm just, you know, well, whatever. An, under a rock? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Um, I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'd heard of it. I yeah. just, I just use other tools, and sure. it is what it is. But as soon as I saw the announcement, Glenn, you sent it to me. I'm looking at it, and, and I signed up, and, and like, what a tool this thing is. It's amazing. So I, I do. So um, with my game design challenge reflections, I, I've normally had kids write them, mm-hmm. and they, they use Google Sites, and some of them make websites. I had a student last year do like a, a journal, like a handwritten journal. Uh, and I mean, I'm debating whether to make all of or ask all of them to use Flipgrid for the reflections, or just add this to the toolbox of things they could possibly use yes. to offer a reflection. A really either way either way, this is an amazing tool for reflective learning for yes. for kids thinking about what they've been taught, doing, and what they've been taught, and talking about it. And uh, there are lots of kids that can talk. And they just, especially if they know that they don't got to stand up in front of class. Yes. This is the tool for the kid that doesn't like to get up in class, but does have things to say. Absolutely. Gives them a voice. Right. And so I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to use it next year. And I'm really excited. So, um, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool news and it's, it's really interesting. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yes. And, uh, we'll just see what happens. Uh, when we come back, we are going to talk uh, with Glenn about um, Teacher Gaming's uh, City Skylines EDU. On Education is brought to you by Audible. Mike, what have you been reading lately? And I suppose you're, you're kind of like me, where you have quite a few books that you have on your list. I have too many books on my list. I have <laughs> probably about 40 audiobooks on my queue. And um, between listening to podcasts and audiobooks, uh, I am well stocked. Um, lots of cool books are on Audible, hundreds and thousands of titles, and you can get your own audiobook download for free uh, if you go to audibletrial.com slash oneducation. That's audibletrial.com slash oneducation, and you can get a free audiobook download. You should go do that, like, right now. All right, welcome back to the show. Um, we got access to uh, City Skylines EDU. It's a teacher gaming, uh, their newest um, real video game, for lack of better words, that uh, they've turned into uh, an EDU version of. Uh, Glenn has had a chance to play it a bit with his son. Um, first things first, we should tell people what City Skyline... I know we've talked about it before because sure. it's an awesome game, yes. um, but we should we should give people who've never maybe never heard of one of our other podcasts, you should totally go listen to the older ones, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, we should tell them what City Skylines is. So if you have ever played the game, as I think Mike had brought it up before in a previous episode, SimCity, mm-hmm. uh, then you know what City Skylines is. It's basically an ode to that game. But if you don't know that, then basically this is a game about creating and maintaining your own city. 
Yeah. Uh, there are various ways to play, but basically you can play a mode where you start with nothing and you have a limited amount of resources and money, uh, and you grow your city from you know just this tiny little village with a few people in it to a giant metropolis. Or you can play in a different way. And I've seen actually some YouTubers do this kind of thing where they just have unlimited amounts of money. And really what they're doing is they're designing like amazing, beautiful cities and really about the aesthetics of the city and how it functions. And they just have unlimited amounts of money and just create whatever they want without any limitations. Kind of like you would in Minecraft with creative mode. Yeah. Uh, so as the mayor slash god <laughs> of the city, you decide where to place basically residential, commercial, and industrial zones. So right away, there are some applications to learning right away as far as those things are concerned because sure. students learn about like the way that uh, towns and cities are developed um, and why there are certain things placed in certain areas. Why people don't like to live near factories. Exactly. So everything you do within the game, I love this part about it, has a consequence. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, some of them are positive things that end up happening. Some of them are negative things. So, for example, if you put your garbage or your sewage in the wrong place, it will contaminate, for example, the water. Downstream. Uh, yes, exactly. If you decide to use cheap power, so in the form of some kind of coal uh, uh, you know, burning plants, uh, and you put it in the wrong place, it could, or you put it in your, in your uh, city, it could like, get your citizens sick, and then that costs your city money, you know, mm-hmm. and eventually you know, your citizens could you know, perish. Um, and I just love the way that each decision drives a consequence, either positive or negative, throughout the game. Um, so how does this version, this is the teacher gaming EDU version of it, uh, how does it compare you know, with graphics and gameplay to the commercial version? Because I've played that version and so have you. Yeah. So you know what it actually is. And I actually couldn't see absolutely any difference. So they so, didn't dumb it down or so anything So they didn't like dumb that. it down. They kept it as is. And then just basically what they did is said, hey, you know what? This game is really awesome just to play, but there's also all of this learning that can take place on it. And that's really the educational component that I'm going to talk about next, uh, which is basically what they've done with teacher gaming is they've created various lessons uh, that you could use in a variety of different content areas. I think mostly to like spark your your spark ideas, mm-hmm. you know, so you can then create lessons. Uh, but these are lessons you can plug and play right away, and they include like the outcomes. Um, so there's specific things. Uh, they're not they didn't link them to any standards, which is, I think is kind of good. They just said here's an outcome that you could do, and then you could then go and say, okay, this relates to science standard, blah, 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 or whatever it might be, or economic standard, et cetera, uh, whatever you're doing. Um, but basically, they include the outcomes. They include resources, which I love this part. There's a whole section on these open ed resources. Uh, for example, things that co- are connected to news articles or things on uh, you know Wikipedia kind of links or those kinds of things so you can learn about specific topics. Uh, there are some questions to ask the students to before, during, and after playing the game scenarios. Uh, and the lessons are really well thought out. I, I thought they were really, whoever wrote these things really has an eye on education. You know, sometimes when we see some kind of like uh, plug and play type things, Mike, we, we read them, we're like, gosh, who wrote this? <laughs> Obviously it wasn't a teacher, right? Yeah. And this is very well written as far as, and a really good resource for a teacher to be like, okay, cool, I'm gonna pull these things, I'm gonna pull these, be able to plug these in and then uh, uh, you know adapt it to whatever I'm actually teaching. So my 11-year-old son played through two of the lessons. One of them is called Cities and Finance. 
um, and one of them is called Curing the Epidemic, or Epidemic, sorry. Uh, and I, as he was playing it, I basically was just asking him, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like how, you know, how he's feeling about things. And his comments were like, one of the comments I really liked. He said, "This is actually really hard." Uh, during one of the uh, times he was playing it, because Good. things weren't going his way. Yeah. Um, and so, and then the other one, the, a comment that he made, he, he said, "I don't usually play these types of games. You know, it's kind of a game that I would play." Uh, I'm into that kind of thing. Yeah. But he said this was actually awesome. He really liked it. It was challenging. Uh, and then I asked him questions afterwards, and he was basically reflecting on his actions that took place uh, during the game and saying, oh, I should have done these things. And then so then I could ask higher level questions and say, what do you think if we actually did this in a city? What would actually be the impact? So really kind of making the connection between this video game and the real world. Um, and I thought freaking awesome super awesome connections really really good uh game i like the game anyway but it was kind of like when, when minecraft first came up where we were like okay how are we going to apply this to yeah. to education and then we we're like oh my gosh there's a million ways we can apply this to education same thing here really really good game i'm glad that he didn't dumb it down or do anything like that as far as awesome. uh the gameplay itself so we've actually ran some different ads for teacher gaming but i'll go ahead and let you know once again that if you want to go ahead and just try this out you just need to go to teachergaming.com and then you they'll you could actually call them up and they give you a 15 minute walkthrough and then they give you a 30 day free trial to try it out for yourselves and see if is it worth it you know is this something that i actually could use in my classes yeah. and uh as we've said s several different times we're actually giving away also uh, a, a free subscription for one lucky teacher we are yes so Woo. it's gonna be awesome awesome so, yeah well that sounds amazing yeah. I, I mean i'm a huge fan of city skylines i've been playing it since it came out uh i knew about it before it came out and i was enraged at how terrible sim city was yes so uh i am thrilled with how awesome this is so um yeah that's great and you should go on teachergaming.com and and take a look and see if this interests you when we come back we will chat with uh, our very good friend steve isaacs and his daughter Friends, On Podcast Media is getting set to launch not one, but two new podcasts this summer. And we're excited to tell you about the first one, On Politics. On Politics is hosted by politician, professor, and human rights lawyer, Craig Scott. On Politics will take deep dives into policy and politics. You definitely come away learning something every week. To stay up to date with On Politics, follow the show's Twitter account, at OnPoliticsPod. So, welcome back, everyone. We are here with our special guests, uh, Steve Isaacs and his daughter Layla, uh, here at the ISTE conference on Sunday still. And you guys just finished uh, earlier this morning uh, presenting a session, which I thought was super special because you're actually bringing in students and, and having them present, which I think is, as I've been looking around at the conference today, I've actually seen a lot of students here. Yeah. I think that is a critical piece what did you guys present on Steve and like, what can you tell us about? So we presented on student choice and in learning and, you know, which kind of goes hand in hand with student voice. Um, and, you know, Layla, myself, uh, Curran, who's the CKO, the chief kid officer of, um, of Digit Kids and his mom, Mary Alice. And, you know, maybe Layla wants to talk a little bit about what our session was about. Um, well, it was just kind of briefly about how um, 
well, for my dad's um, classroom, how it's like very choice-based and not really um, very structured standard learning. And then like me and Curran talked about how we're using choice to do crazy things in the real world. Awesome. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. <laughs> yes. So within your classroom, we're talking about like ability to go like different, like quest-based learning. Yep, exactly. Right. Yes. So for our audience members that don't yep. know what that even means, they hear quest-based, they're like, oh, this is something crazy. Yeah. It really isn't. It's something they can apply right now as far as a technique in their classrooms. Right? Yeah, I, I believe so. So, you know, in my case, I have a series of quests under different topics that kids can explore, you know, as they wish. So, you know, basically the structure of my class is that kids choose one of the areas, you know, the learning outcomes all revolve around what I'm trying to achieve with my students anyway, but they have a lot of choice in, in which path they take. So, for example, I teach game design and development. Um, you know, some of the kids, you know, might want to learn directly about coding, mm -hmm. but in game development, there are so many different, you know, roles in the game industry, so I don't think every kid has to necessarily be, you know, a code monkey or what have you. So the kids that do choose that, they can start taking quests around coding, learn coding. A lot of it ends up being self-paced, independent with my support. Uh, they might be doing things with like Code Academy or something. So there are a lot of these great resources out there. Um, and then, you know, meanwhile, at the same time, a kid might be looking at, you know, analyzing game mechanics, uh, which is going to play into the games they create. So they might be looking at our, I have a quest line called uh, Journey to the Center of the Game, where they're playing games, reviewing them, and critically analyzing them for, you know, the things that I want them to be looking at, which is going to, again, in turn, play into what they do when they're creating their games. And then on another note with regard to choice, when, like, every kid ends up creating a final project, which is a game of some sort, but even there, they all have total um, autonomy in terms of choosing what tool they want to use. So I'll have kids creating a text-based adventure with Twine or kids that really want to learn Unity to create a, a game or content for VR. Mm -hmm. um, other kids might be using Minecraft to create a game within in Minecraft. They're all going through the same process of iterative design, but again, there's another element of choice thrown in there. Uh, but the quest-based model is really all about giving kids these opportunities for different learning pathways, giving them as much flexibility and choice as, you know, as you can, and, you know, but yet still, you know, making it work for whatever your, you know, content area is. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So how did you guys then connect that, like, Layla's here and, and Curran with what you were just talking about, Layla, like, where you're doing some things outside of the classroom? So what was, like, your component, or what was your part? Well, in your, in your case, too, like, what, what drives you towards choice? Because, like, you know, I guess in my case, I'm creating a choice-based environment for my students. Have you had that in school? No. No. So, <laughs> so, that, so that hasn't no. happened as far as within yeah. school. But it would be something that would be appealing. Mm -hmm. Yes. But, but you're still going out there and implementing choice in what you want to learn so maybe talk to that a little bit so um just recently i've been like really intrigued in zero waste and um i'm hoping that it'll get approved for my girl scout gold award but if not like 
I've already done like seven and a half hours of research, um, just like kind of on my own. Um, I haven't even like finished some of the requirements I need to start my gold award. So we'll see how that goes over. But um, like that was me just out of the blue, like choosing like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like so much recycling is like not actually recycled. And then right. like all this, um, all these like issues in the wildlife, like the turtles with the straws and plastic forks up their nose that they need to, I, I saw a video of that, <laughs> that they need to like get out, but it's yes. like straws like are just like, everything's like that, yeah. Yeah, so she's going out and students like Layla are going out and they're finding their passions and going out and learning about those things and putting in hours of work whether or not this applies to that specific badge that you're talking about right it's still super important to you and so that learning takes place that's a good thing for us as educators to remember that there's so much out there that our students are super passionate about and to try to find ways for us to connect to those things and then bring them into the classroom because if she was able to do that in a class it's like you know in a, mm-hmm. a science class for example exactly. environmental science and then that could turn into a, an awesome project of some sort that at the end she could actually do you know have an action plan then at right, the end to right. apply it yeah. so part of the frustration i think is that in this case she's going to do it outside of school but it might not even ever be acknowledged or recognized within school. She might not ever get credit for that as being a, a worthwhile project yet. Like, what skills are you learning while you're doing it? I mean, like, I've never seen Layla research as much as she's researching about zero waste yeah. as she just dove into it. She's creating a website right now, you know, to kind of share some of her things. Um, she even networked with somebody today. Do you want to talk about that, about the... The the, go bubble? Yeah. Um, So today, um, after our presentation, Henry, is it? Yeah. Henry um, came up to you first, right? And then you were like, oh, talk to him. And then, um, well, this network, which is like Facebook for kids, called Go Bubble, is... um, He said that it would be like really easy for me to get the word out and like not just out to like New Jersey out or like... Chicago, wherever, but like out like to Greece and like all around the world. So it's like we can all like make this change in our lifestyles. Yeah. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. a, a way to be able to go ahead and do that safely, be able to put mm-hmm. it out and then, and then get that message out to more mm-hmm. kids who are right. actually also interested, for example, in zero waste. Yeah. And one of, one of the interesting things too is that one of the things about the Gold Award in particular is that it's supposed to be um, something sustainable meaning that, like, you know, Layla shouldn't do all this work and then have the project be over and she presents it and, okay, so I learned about, the, you know. happens after. Right, the idea is that it should be, car- the message should be carried however that's going to be. So sometimes it might be a younger Girl Scout troop that takes it on. In this case, by this connection she made today, this might be her, her audience that's going to sustain this and become a community around this. And, like, I mean, it doesn't get more authentic, you know, than that. Yeah. Yes, and we were talking yesterday at the Batch Summit about exactly what you're talking about, where you have done all of this work, and in the end, you're going to have this awesome product and even these connections, and you should get credit for it at your school. You know, and we're talking about how our systems are in place where they don't make any sense. The real learning that you might actually do there 
could blow away many of the courses and classes that you may end up taking because of how passionate you are to right. learn totally. and being able to give people credit for the things that they have actually, you know, skills that they've learned and then all of the things that they've actually done, you know, whatever it actually might be. So, Mike, you had some, you were yeah. going to talk some, uh, on a switch a topic a little bit here. <laughs> so, so um, while you're doing another another um, session uh, at the at the Tinker Booth, so why don't you tell us just a, a little bit about what you're doing later on this week? Sure. So, um, recently I got involved as a uh, one of the Tinker Blue Ribbon educators, and um, and one of the things I'm most passionate about, which is what got me really interested in Tinker, is that you can uh, code in Tinker and have your code executed right in Minecraft. So in this case, um, through Code Connection, which is you know, a, a launcher, a, a program you launch within Minecraft Education Edition, you can choose either Scratch, Code.org, Make Code, or Tinker, and and actually you're coding with the block-based language in this case, and executing your code and seeing it, you know, have happen in in Minecraft. Uh, so it's super fun, super great way to get kids involved in coding. But you know, I mean, I'm all for them learning whatever is interesting to them in terms of coding, but. Minecraft is so relevant to so many of these kids that yeah. when they get the sense that okay, so if I do this code over here and then see my in Minecraft this big building constructed based on this code, or I see the agent and I send him mining for stuff and then bring him back to me and then I collect what he mined for me. I mean, there's so many neat things, um, you know, and you can get into all facets of programming in terms in, in terms of you know loops, conditional statements, variables. Um, but yet again, it's also tied right in, in this case, with, with Minecraft. So that's, that's, you know, very cool. That is very cool. And we're also, we've, we've kind of teased this on the on, <laughs> the, on the on Education Twitter channel a couple times. Um, but but um, Glenn and, and, and you and myself, we've been, we've been playing video games together a little bit. It's kind there's, of our... there's no place for video games in education. <laughs> no place for video games in education. But um, we've, been, we've been playing a little bit of video games, and we're going to start, uh, we're going to kind of make it maybe semi-official a little. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to playing video games with you guys and, Me too. and uh, hanging out. And I, I, we've, we've talked a little bit about it, I guess, but I think it'd be fun to, to have you know, people join us and chat and mm-hmm. uh, even play with us depending sure. on the, the, the game and how many people can actually be in it at the same time because yeah. um, there's obviously lots of games that we could possibly play. But having people who want to learn more about games-based learning and how to integrate video games, like legit video games, into the classroom. I mean, I, I feel like we're three pretty good people to talk to about that. So yeah. uh, it'd be fun to have more people come and join us and chat, and we can right. talk. And literally, it's it's like, I think it's one of the coolest egalitarian ways to like have everybody and just share and, and collaborate all in like one space live yeah. and, and having fun while we're doing it. So it's, it's it going to be great. It's going to be great. It kind of reminds me too of um, like for World of Warcraft there are two like educational game based learning oriented guilds hmm. and it's a similar thing. Like we when should I was, play WoW. Yeah, yeah. Well, we I'd should play WoW. play WoW and we could bring a lot of people into WoW. <laughs> but so they're and they're still you know alive and well. Um, one is called Cognitive Dissonance and that's on the uh, that's on the Alliance name. side and on the Horde side, and I don't know why, um, Inevitable Betrayal is the name of that <laughs> guild, which came as a betrayal of the Cognitive Dissonance Guild. But, um, but it's pretty amazing, because, and I should really get in there more. It was, I always felt like 
it was the combination of like a, you know almost like a Twitter chat and gaming at the same time, sure. which is what we're kind of yeah, striving yes, for. Exactly. And it was just awesome. You'd just start, you'd be playing, and then all of a sudden the conversation in your team or your guild chat breaks out about game-based learning. I mean, we're gonna that's what we're gonna bring in. We're gonna have voice associated. I mean, yeah, gosh. 100%. Yeah. So it's gonna be exciting. So stay tuned. We are working on lots of fun stuff related to that. It'll be mostly sourced through the On Education portal and website and stuff like that. But we're gonna we're gonna create a, a channel and there's gonna be video and you're gonna have all that stuff. And so stay tuned because it's gonna be pretty rad and we're really excited uh, to to do that. It's gonna be gonna be ton of fun. Yes, ton of fun. Thanks so much, Steve and Layla. You guys are awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. us. On Education is an on-podcast media production. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. You can get in touch with us or ask us questions to answer on air by visiting our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at IrvSpanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our sound engineer is Jake Codeweiss. He's on Twitter at JKRadio. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be honored if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.